I'm Brett McGarry, and this week we have got a special edition of the Couch Potatoes for you. I'm Jeff Braun. As we get set for the Roaring Twenties, it's time to look back at the tens and teens with our favorite movies of the decade. And kicking off my list, no surprise here, Brett, a new movie from 2019, Leonardo DiCaprio. Come on. And Brad Pitt starring Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm Rick Dalton. That's my stunt double. Actors do a lot of dangerous stuff. Cliff here helps carry the load. Sounds like a good friend. I try. They play the heroes <laughs> this year. Here comes trouble. Well, we do what we came to do. Playtime is over. If you don't beat him, he kills you. Not when Rick Dalton's got a shotgun. From Quentin Tarantino. I love that stuff. Once upon a time in Hollywood. This is Stone Cold, one of Tarantino's best, and I suspect a decade from now it'll place quite high in my rankings for this decade, but for now I'm bringing it in at number 10 because not enough time has truly passed to gauge its staying power. It's awesome, though. I like it more and more every time I see it. We don't even have to get into it. I've spent a lot of time talking about it the last few months. No kidding. And there will be more in the weeks ahead, Brett, as God it goes me. through the award season. And maybe, just maybe, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will be the last Best Picture Oscar winner of the decade. I hope not. My top 10 kicks off with likely predictable fashion. It's a superhero movie, Avengers Infinity War. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. I love pretty much every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Almost all of them. So it was tough narrowing it down to just one for this decade. Or two. Maybe three. But this movie is the one that brings all the heroes together in one incredible movie and never feels cluttered. They're up against an impossible enemy in Thanos, who is gathering the Infinity Stones from across the universe so he can snap his fingers and wipe out half of all life. It is big, it's fun, it's got great moments of humor, and it's the kind of movie that I can just watch over and over. And believe me, I have. And hey, I might just watch it again tonight. Nice. Keanu Reeves gave us a near-perfect action trilogy this decade with John Wick. Very tempting to include them all, but my favorite, and number nine on my list, is from 2017, John Wick's European Vacation (laughs) in Chapter 2. Somebody please get this man a gun. You stabbed the devil in the back. To him, this isn't vengeance. This is justice. You working? Wait, so. Whoever comes, I'll kill them. I'll kill them all. Of course you will. 
Wow, Lawrence Fishburne is actually having more fun than anyone else in this movie, devouring the scenery. All the, and the movies are just over the top, so that works. But we're really here for the gun-fu, and the first one was great. That nightclub scene, probably the best scene of all three movies. The plot's all pretty simple. John Wick is a hitman. He was retired, but the mob killed his dog and stole his car, and he re-entered the world. He keeps digging himself in further when all he really wants to do is get out. The action in Chapter 2 cranks it up a notch, highlighted by a fight with rapper Common, who plays a rival hitman. Again, fantastic trilogy overall. And I can't wait for John Wick 4 in 2021. Which, by the way, they announced this week that The Matrix 4 is going to be released on the same day. You go to The John Matrix, I'll go to John Wick. Okay. Well, it's funny, because I liked John Wick before you liked John yeah. Wick, so you've really taken to it. I would give John Wick, the first one, an honorable mention for my favorite movies of the decade. Next up for me, a movie that really surprised me in a good way. Liam Neeson stars in a film from 2011, The Grey. It's in pieces. We need a fire. Can we find food? If we don't move, I'm work now. We're all freeze to death. Somebody will find us. They gotta know that plane went off the radar. Nobody's gonna find us. Not here. We figure out what way it's south, and we start walking. This will be one of those wild stories you tell at a party. <laughs> Neeson plays a security specialist whose job is to keep some oil rig roughnecks safe while they're on the job. Once the job is finished, they get on the plane to go home, and it crashes in the Alaskan wilderness. As if that isn't bad enough, having to deal with the nasty elements of Alaska, they've got bigger problems. They are being hunted by wolves. Now, I say I was surprised by the gray because the marketing made the movie look like I was walking into an action-packed thrill ride with a lot of wolf punching. Turns out it was deathly serious, reflective, introspective, sad, but also inspiring and deeply touching. It also had gorgeous winter visuals. It is an incredible film. Also, honorable mention to the 2015 film The Revenant, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, also an incredible winter survival tale with gorgeous visuals and mesmerizing music. But if you put both movies in front of me and say, pick one to watch now, I'm going with the gray. Next time I want to watch The Revenant, I'm going to go with The Grey instead, too. Okay. My number eight pick is a romantic comedy from 2017 called The Big Sick. I have to tell you something. <laughs> I've been dating this girl. She's white. A white girl? It's okay. We hate terrorists. I'm, still I'm looking for Emily Gardner. She was checked in. You should call her family. You want to stress it? Yeah. Didn't play it. You can't rhyme it. You try to find out a word that nobody can rhyme. And Stonehenge. Yeah, see, you would win. Comedian Kumail Nanjiani plays himself in this mostly autobiographical story about he, a young Muslim man from Pakistan, fell in love with Emily, a non-Muslim American woman, and how it affected both their families. The twist is she dumps him, then falls into a coma, and he befriends her parents, played by Holly Hunter and Ray Romano. At the same time, he disappoints his own family. You'll laugh, you'll cry, it's beautiful and heartwarming, but not sentimental or sappy. It is romantic, and it's one of the best movies of the decade. From a romantic movie to a post-apocalyptic thriller, from 2015. My name is Max. My world is fire and blood. Mad Max Fury Road, starring Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron. It was the first Mad Max movie in 30 years. They're all set in this post-apocalyptic world that's very dry and has lots of crazy people with really nasty-looking cars. Max meets Furiosa, played by Charlize Theron, who is a fugitive trying to escape a savage warlord. 
Max prefers to be a loner, but he decides to help her. And from there, it is all kinds of motorized carnage, the likes of which I have never seen, and it is glorious. I gave that movie the sectional five couch cushions out of five. I just love it. Oh, I love that, too. It's on my honorable mentions list for sure. All right. Up next, we are going... Let's just say we're going far, far away. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and we are counting down our favorite movies of the decade. We each got a top ten list, and we're at number seven now on my list, which goes to Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. There have been a glut of Star Wars movies the past few years, but back in 2015, it was new all over again and felt really special when The Force Awakens came out. It was just a fun, old-fashioned Star Wars adventure story continuing the saga, and it looked amazing, and reunited the audience with some old friends. Chewie, we're home. Force Awakens is easily my favorite of the new batch of Star Wars movies and obviously light years ahead of the prequels. It's amazing how much fun these movies can be when you don't have to deal with galactic politics. Next up for me, there have been so many great animated movies released over the last decade. How to Train Your Dragon, for example, is one of my faves. Toy Story 3 was great, but if I had to pick just one, it would be Disney Pixar's Inside Out. Joy. This is sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. Uh, and that's fear. Ah! We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Me. Joy, no. Let's wait. Go. The core memories. Ah! Can I say that curse word now? What if your emotions were real-life voices inside your head? That's what Inside Out is about, focusing on a girl named Riley. It's a rather imaginative-looking movie where we get to see people's emotions as characters, and those emotions live in headquarters, which is kind of like a mission control in our brain. Riley's just moved to San Francisco, and she's not happy, so her emotions have to go on an adventure to help her out. It is just so creative, such mind-blowing visuals, and it's just a touching movie, as all Disney Pixar movies are. It earned the sectional for me five couch cushions out of five. I have a trilogy in my number six slot. Where's Ethan? The decade saw three amazing Mission Impossible movies, Ghost Protocol in 2011, Rogue Nation in 2015, and followed in 2018, each more exciting than the last, which is sort of rare for a series that goes this deep, although there will be another long-running series appearing later in my list. Ghost Protocol came five years after Mission Impossible 3, and I think people had sort of forgotten about the series and even figured Tom Cruise maybe was past his prime as an action star. Mission accomplished! 
Little did we know he was just warming up. The three movies cranked up the wattage on the stunt front. Ghost Protocol Skyscraper Climb, I think, is still my favorite. Each movie has several jaw-dropping set pieces. And with two more movies in the offing, Mission Impossible may very well make next decade's list, too. You actually said that out loud. Mission accomplished. I said it. I'm still corny, Ethan. Yeah, for me, my favorite out of those three is Ghost Protocol, probably yeah. because of that skyscraper climb. But uh, yeah, those movies are always just Ugh. tremendously entertaining. I couldn't pick one. I, for a day, I was like, well, which one am I going to pick? And then one day, I was like, you know what? It's not like the cops are going to come get us or anything. I'm yeah. picking all three. Yeah, do whatever you want <laughs> for this countdown. Next up for me, Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, and Benicio Del Toro star in the 2015 film Sicario. You want to be a part of this? Do we get an opportunity of the men responsible for today? The men who are really responsible for today. And what is before? We're going to El Paso, right? You're not American. What do you work for now? Well, I go where I'm sent. During a mission to stop a drug cartel operating between the U.S. and Mexico, FBI agent Kate Maser sees some harsh realities with fellow government operatives who go to extreme measures to get the job done. Sicario, by the way, is a Spanish word for hitman. That would be Benicio Del Toro working with the good guys. I liked this movie so much that when I first watched it, yep. I didn't realize that there were scenes, like the subtitles weren't working on my Blu-ray player. Oh, really? So there are scenes where they're speaking in Spanish, but I thought it was by design. Like, oh, this is an interesting artistic decision. Yeah, I'm just picking up their body language and the way they're talking. Yeah, about and I loved it! <laughs> so that's how good Sicario is. That's awesome. And then, I, But I immediately had to watch it again when I realized there were, in fact, subtitles. <laughs> there was a sequel, by the way, in 2018, Day of the Soldado, but it wasn't even close to being as good as that first one. I hate when that happens. I haven't watched that Soldado yet. Maybe I'll get to it someday. It's okay. It's not terrible. It's, but just, it's just not as good. Yeah, I believe it. Um, at number five on my list... Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Who wouldn't? At the Grand Budapest, sir. And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training under the strict command of Monsieur Gustave H. Many of the hotel's most valued and distinguished guests came for him. I love you. I love you. She was dynamite in the sack, by the way. She was 84. Mm, I've had older. Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel from 2014 is a delightful adventure story with his signature tweeness. Weird in the Anderson way, stack cast crazy story, this time about the concierge and lobby boy from an old hotel who get mixed up in a murder plot. This is Madame D's last will and testament to Monsieur Gustave H. I bequeath a painting known as Boy with Apple. Wow. What? Who's Gustave H? I'm afraid that's me, Donnie. That's Ray Fiennes, and it's one of his best performances, which is saying something. Fiennes is perfectly cast. He can do dainty and flamboyantly arrogant, but still be crass and violent and all in this charming way. I always look forward to a Wes Anderson movie because I know they'll always be a lot different than the standard Hollywood fare. This was no exception and maybe his most fun yet. You can't arrest him simply because he's a bloody immigrant. Take your hands off my lobby boy! All right, here comes another Marvel movie for me. It was hard for me to narrow these down out of all the Marvel movies. But next up, Captain America Civil War. You know what's about to happen. Do you really want to punch your way out of this? What do we do? We fight. You know I wouldn't do this if I had any other choice. 
But he's my friend. So was I. And then Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and Iron Man fight and fight hard. This one from 2016 has the heroes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe divided. Governments want to put them in check and make them follow rules. Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, is on board with the plan. Captain America is not and ends up going on the run and brings a few of the heroes with him. It eventually culminates into a spectacularly entertaining battle between the various heroes, including Spider-Man and Black Panther making their first appearances in the MCU. And while that big fight was so much fun, this movie asks some really serious questions, forcing our heroes to ask themselves what are they really fighting for when they put on their suits i love this movie that airport fight is one of the best things in the whole history of the mcu i think oh god it's just so entertaining i was very tempted to put a captain america movie on my list it's my favorite of the mcu uh little series the trilogy of the captain america ones i would have gone with winter soldiers been my favorite but it was oh it was close i couldn't crack i knew you'd have lots of mcu stuff so i didn't put any on my list yeah and i thought about putting a thor movie in there because i love that first thor from 2011 i loved thor ragnarok yeah. but i didn't want to i didn't i mean there have been 21 of the 23 marvel cinematic <laughs> universe movies in the last 10 years so i didn't want to just have marvel movies i got to have some variety in here yeah. but the, there are some marvel movies that really stand above most movies period so you gotta include a couple of the key ones for me absolutely coming up next an actress with an impossible name but her talent is impossible to ignore you're listening to the couch potatoes Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're counting down our favorite movies of the decade this week. And my fourth favorite movie of the last 10 years stars an actress whose name we couldn't pronounce a decade ago, but she has proven to be maybe the best actress working today. From 2017, Saoirse Ronan is Lady Bird. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's t- there. Totally fake. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? Actress Greta Gerwig wrote the story and made her directorial debut, absolutely crushing it. It's a coming-of-age tale, tale about a teen in her final year of high school preparing to leave the nest and face the world. Lady Bird, the character and the movie, is quirky and whimsical, sweet and sour like most teens. She can also be strong-headed. She gets that from her mom and is prone to making a bad decision now and then, often involving boys. It's one of those movies that really reflects real life, in this case, what it's like to be a teenager. The relationship between Lady Bird and her mom, played to perfection by Laurie Metcalf, is the focus, but all her relationships have their ups and downs. Timothy Chalamet and Lucas Hedges play love interest, Beanie Feldstein is the best friend, and Tracy Letts has a delightfully gentle turn as her dad. Lady Bird is somehow kinetic and electric while being comforting and assuring all at once. This next one goes back to 2010, and I can't believe it's already been that long. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams? From director Christopher Nolan, Inception, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, and Michael Caine. This is one of the trippiest movies I've ever seen, with just insane visuals about a group of thieves 
corporate extractors. They steal things by entering people's minds. And since they're in people's minds, stealing information, they're in people's dreams. So the regular rules don't apply, so it is super fun. Inception blew me away. Another movie that I gave the sectional five couch cushions out of five. Love that music sting. Works for everything. It does. It really does. All right. That's enough. At number three on my list, uh, Best Picture Oscar winner from 2015. The Boston priest molested kids in six different parishes over the last 30 years. The church found out about it and did nothing. We haven't committed any long-term investigative resources to the case. No, we haven't. And that's the kind of thing your team would do. Spotlight. Spotlight is based on a true story of a Pulitzer Prize-winning Boston Globe investigation. The Spotlight team of reporters digging into allegations of abuse in the Catholic Church. Obviously, the church will fight us very hard. Trying to get some background information. I don't want you recording this in any way, shape, or form. Nothing. We understand you've settled several cases against the church. I can't discuss that. There aren't any records of any of these settlements. Nope. When you're a poor kid from a poor family, and when a priest pays attention to you, it's a big deal. How do you say no to God? Spotlight. This is the tip line. You think he's got something? I want to keep digging. We need to focus on the institution. Show me that it came from the top down. Michael Keaton leads a talented cast, including Mark Ruffalo, Rachel McAdams, and Liev Schreiber. It's just a gripping journalism movie, one of the best ever made, on par with All the President's Med. And it's also one of the few bastard movies that doesn't feature Ben Affleck where I can stand the accent. Did it work in that one? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, next on my list for me, number three for me. We already had The Force Awakens on the list. That was, what, number seven for you, I believe? Yep. And uh, it was one of my favorite movies of the decade, too. But uh, this next one is not just one of my favorite movies of the decade. It's actually my favorite Star Wars movie, and it's not even part of the main saga. It's Rogue One. of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take the next chance. And the next time. You're all rebels, aren't you? Save the rebellion! Save the dream! Released in 2016, Rogue One is a standalone Star Wars story about the ragtag group of rebels that stole the plans to the Death Star, leading the way for the Rebellion's victory in A New Hope. When I first heard that was going to be the first Star Wars story, I kind of blew it off, thinking, do we really need to learn that story? But what we ended up with was an amazing story of heroism with breathtaking visuals and and a different feel from the rest of the Star Wars saga because the camera gets down and dirty with this crew and it feels like you're watching guerrilla warfare and then near the end we get that amazing scene where Darth Vader springs into action and slaughters a bunch of rebels it is such a mixed emotion scene because he single-handedly kills like a dozen of the good guys but we finally get to see Darth Vader use his powers in a ferocious and just quite frankly really cool way it's an iconic scene in what I thought was just a truly wonderful film. Yeah, because most of the Darth Vader over that original saga is him walking slowly, and he's menacing, very menacing, Yeah, but he's not like a man of action. There's like, gets a couple of lightsaber fights in, one in each movie maybe or whatever, but that's about it. And 
some dramatic throat choking with his mind or whatever. Yeah. That sort of thing. I like Rogue One a lot, too. I don't know. Uh, I thought, I think I like all the Star Wars movies of the decade. I mean, I know I do, but you're right. Rogue One is absolutely one of the best ones there. Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, Solo was fun for what it was, but uh, Rogue One just, I think it caught me off guard because I went in kind of skeptical almost. Yeah. Uh, so I was, and, and there had been like so much talk, I, I think, of reshoots and <laughs> studio meddling, like sort of jamming Darth Vader into the movie. Right, right, right. So it looked like a troubled production. And then there was that that thing where the, the TIE fighter that was in the trailer. The coolest shot of all Star Wars dumb period yeah, she's up in the tower going to to you know activate the the try to shut down the defensive yeah. shield and this tie fighter appears and then in the movie it never happens no. she's on the tower but the tie fighter's just not there so that just, was kind of a ripoff it was a cruel lesson in just what hollywood will do to sell tickets i was like come on how can yeah. you how can you do that to star wars fans did you think that we weren't going to notice yeah the other thing i really like about rogue one is that like it gets near the end and you realize Oh, they're not getting off this planet, and yeah. you know what's about to happen to that planet. And it's like, wow, that's a pretty bold move for what's been. A lot of them are sort of they're not exactly kids' movies, but they're they're happy and joyful, and there's Ewoks and cuddly things, right? And then it's like, yeah, we're just killing everybody on this planet, yeah. and you got to watch them die. And it's like, wow. At number two on my list, an unlikely candidate, perhaps, but few other franchises facing the weird uphill battle that this one faced did it as well as The Fast and the Furious, and my favorite of the batch, 2015's Furious 7. Dominic Torreira. You don't know me. You're about to. We'll be in hunting. Come at you and your friends with everything he's got. I don't have friends. I got family. To be fair, this was the first one of these series I saw in theaters after binging the first six in one weekend. Jeez, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, so, it, crazy. so Furious 7 left an impression. It featured, of course, the outstanding mountain road rescue as well as jumping the cars through the windows of the skyscrapers. But it really makes my list for the ending. Paul Walker, of course, died during the filming of the movie, and they send off his character in a beautiful way at the end. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Make some noise for Paul Walker. You get to say goodbye to somebody very, very special. No matter where you are, whether it's a quarter mile away or halfway across the world, you'll always be with me. That sense of family that exists in the film bleeds off screen, and the whole world gets to feel a part of that thing. One last ride. Over the decade, starting with 2011's Fast Five, Vin Diesel and friends, sorry, family, took a franchise that had mostly petered out and injected it with some high-octane Nas, turning it into its characters basically into superheroes and turning the series into the most bonkers thing in theaters. In 2001's original, the stakes were a truckload of DVD players. In the eighth movie, they took on a nuclear submarine. <laughs> in their cars. <laughs> yeah, when you put it into that context, yeah. it is sort of ridiculous. For me, I... Fast Five was the first one that I saw in theater, so that is my favorite, probably for the same reason as yours. It's yeah. the first one that really made an impression. But yeah, these movies are fun, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. I don't care how stupid they're getting. <laughs> Up next, we are going to take you to the edge. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. We're counting down our favorite movies of the decade. And just to recap, we've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from Jeff, Avengers Infinity War from me, John Wick 2, The Grey, starring Liam Neeson, The Big Sick, Mad Max Fury Road, Star Wars The Force Awakens, 
Disney Pixar's Inside Out. The Mission Impossible movies from the 2010s. There are three of them. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout. I know it's a top ten, but we can cheat. Whatever. Absolutely. Sicario, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Captain America Civil War, Lady Bird, Inception, Spotlight, Rogue One, the Star Wars standalone story, Furious 7, and now my second favorite movie of the decade from 2014, Tom Cruise stars in Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. I die within five minutes of landing on that beach. The invasion failed. We lose everything. Now I live the same day over and over. You have to die. Until you change the outcome. They know we're coming! Finish it! Edge of Tomorrow. The movie was originally called Edge of Tomorrow. Then when they released it on Blu-ray and DVD, they changed the name to Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. It's Groundhog Day, but with aliens. Cruz plays a military officer who gets busted down to private just in time for a massive military assault on the alien invaders. But the humans get slaughtered. Somehow, while he's dying for the first time, he wakes up alive and gets to relive the same day over and over again, eventually becoming a fighting machine. It co- stars Emily Blunt and the late Bill Paxton, who are both sensational in this. It's just a crazy thrill ride. It's so much fun. It's endlessly rewatchable, heart-pounding original entertainment, and that's one of the reasons why I like this so much. So original, based, by the way, on a graphic novel with the cool name All You Need Is Kill. There is a sequel coming. We just don't know when. That is such a good name, and then that they biffed it so bad with the actual name that they had to change it for the release and stuff like that. I got thank you for this one do you remember when it came out on blu-ray what happened you don't remember you went on and on about how awesome this movie was and i said okay brett i'll tell you what i will go buy the blu-ray for myself okay having never seen it okay and and just for the guarantee i was like but if i don't like it will you buy the blu-ray from me and you said yes and he's like you're not going to want to sell it to me and i watch it and i was like nope you're right i don't want to sell it to you (laughs) and now i watch it at least once a year yeah. It's an awesome movie. Yeah, it gets me every time. I just my I find myself just on the edge of my seat yeah. every time we watch it. Hey, we're up to your favorite. Oh, my favorite movie of the decade from 2016. It is La La Land. It's pretty strange that we keep running into each other. Maybe it means something. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so. Guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. There's a mistake. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Oh, wait, he's right. It's Moonlight. That's the best movie of the decade. Barry Jenkins put himself firmly in the discussion of master directors working today with his gem of a film. You don't talk much, but you damn sure can eat. (laughs) That's all right, baby. You ain't got to talk to you. You get good and ready. My name is Shiro. People call me Little. Moonlight follows a Miami boy named Little who grows into a man named Chiron through three distinct phases of his life, each time played by a different actor. As a young boy, he finds a father figure in the local drug dealer who takes a genuine shine to the boy and wants him to be raised properly, problem being he's the man who's supplying Little's moms with drugs. The teen years are harder as poor Chiron also tries to come to grips with his sexuality in a hostile environment. In his 20s, he's still trying to find himself and reconnects with an old friend. It's sad and beautiful, and although Chiron's situation seems very 
very specific to him. Every one of us grows up and has to find ourselves in some measure, and we all want to be loved, of course. Mahershala Ali won his first Oscar for this, but of course that wasn't the memorable moment on Oscar night, thanks to the envelope snafu for best picture there. Life was never easy for Sharon, and winning an Oscar wasn't either. Moonlight is moving, smart, intriguing, cinematic, a good story, beautifully told. You can't ask for any more from a movie. Yeah, I watched this one at home. I'm kicking myself for not going to see it in theaters because it is such a beautiful film, but I watched it on a weeknight, and then the next night I watched Manchester by the Sea because I was trying to get caught up on the Best Picture nominees, and then I just was compelled to watch Moonlight again the the day after that. Yeah. And it's very rare that a movie actually moves me to the point where I need to see it again. It's uh, It was the thing, it was like, because you watch it and it's like, wait, why is this so good? And you can't really put your finger on it. Yeah, it just has this intangible feeling in it. Such a tremendous film. So thank you for putting that on your your favorite movies of the decade. Because to be honest, I kind of forgot about it. Probably because I was so focused on (laughs) superhero movies. My favorite movie of the 2010s is a superhero movie. Marvel's The Avengers. If we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. What have I to fear? Let's do a head count. A couple of master assassins. The demigod. Super soldier. And you've managed to p off every single one of us. I have an army. We have a Hulk. From 2012, Marvel's The Avengers, and yes, they've made many bigger movies since this one. But to me, this is still the perfect blockbuster. And audiences just gobbled it up with a then-record-opening weekend of $207 million. Avengers Endgame has since crushed that total with $357 million, but hey, in 2012, $200 million had not yet been done. And they set up the movie in a way where you don't have to have seen any of the other movies to enjoy it. Each character is given enough of an introduction in this film to pick up on who they are. There's an entertaining villain in Loki. The heroes are faced with adversity to the point where the team almost splits before they even become a team and eventually they come together for what was then an insane battle in New York with buildings crashing down all around. The Matrix is still my favorite movie of all time, but Avengers is probably my go-to movie in the sense where if I just want to watch an old favorite and I can't decide, inevitably the Avengers ends up in my Blu-ray player. It's just the kind of movie that I can just put on when I need some background noise. That's awesome. I've done that too. I just like Battle of New York. Let's watch it. So that concludes our favorite movies of the decade. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to count down our favorite television shows of the decade. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.